2: Good good day. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, in more. California's on fire. Started with Santa Rosa earlier, a couple weeks ago, in October. Then it turns to Ventura. Then it turns to Ojai. Then it turns to south of... Santa Barbara. Now San Diego is on fire. I think the thing that you have to start acknowledging right here, right now in the moment is it's not affecting you because you live somewhere else, but disasters happen to people. How prepared are you for a disaster? Whether it's your family, whether it's an emergency kit how prepared are you for a disaster? So how about photos? Do you care about photos? Because ultimately I don't. Yes, there's some cute Rob Black baby photos out there. And yes, I was a cute baby. Um, and no, I don't have them on Facebook. But should I Should I back them up? Do I care? I don't care today. But when I lose them, you, you darn tootin' I'm going to be missing those things, right? So, number one, I would look at your insurance. Because I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't remember. And the Bay Area has had fires. The Oakland Hills fires 15, 16, 17 years ago, roughly. Um, Check your insurance. Because in the Bay Area, to hire a construction worker, costs more money today than it did five years ago, than it did 10 years ago, than it did 15 years ago. The construction materials cost more than it did five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So if you haven't updated your insurance, it's not going to cost you that much more money. I recently got some life insurance. He's like, hey, you want to go and get another million, two million? I'm like, what's the cost? It's not that much more money. So I'm a term life kind of guy. So firefighters are struggling to contain multiple wildfires consuming parts of Southern California right now. That's a story that's out there. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about today. Money investing and more. The jobs numbers were solid. To me, the jobs numbers being solid uh, just kind of gives us that that time to say things are okay. We can now stop, breathe, and pause, and look at other parts of the stock market. Okay, if the jobs are okay, then maybe Amazon can go higher. Maybe I should buy some Amazon. So to get to point three, I have to start with point one to get to point two to get to point three. Seeing how the highest and lowest earners spend their money will make you think differently about the rich and the poor. It's pretty shocking to see. If you're in the top 20% of earners, you spend double what the bottom 20% spends on housing. If you're in the top 20%, you spend two and a half times as much on transportation as the bottom 20%. If you're in the top 20% on insurance and pensions, you spend about $5,700 a year versus $300 a year. So the rich or the top 20% take care of themselves for the future. The poor cannot. Both spend similar on food, $3,500 versus $2,500. Um... Healthcare, both spend similar, 2200 versus 1100 I mean, that's double for sure, but it's a small amount of money in the grand scheme of things. It's so bringing to Tony Mendez, com. Um, Tony, the jobs numbers, that has to be encouraging to you because one thing that everyone says, hey, the millennials are living at home, they don't have jobs, they can't buy houses. Or the millennials are living at home, they have a job, they're saving for a house.
3: Yeah, it's the second straight month of over $200,000 job gains. Um, $200,000? Did I say $200,000? Yes. 200,000 jobs. Um, I work with numbers, um, as you would guess. Uh, Incomes only rose 2%. What was interesting is the last time unemployment was as low as it is right now. Jobs uh, incomes were growing at 4%. Right now they're growing at 2.1%. So we pay attention to both of those. But it is good to see that millennials are the largest buying pool um, in the United States right now. They are also uh, spending more on their median home price. They're kind of creeping up. um, A couple of the other generations, Generation X, Baby Boomers, Greatest Generation, um, they're, they're catching up. So they're spending more and they're buying more houses. They are the largest ever uh, buying pool for homes in the United States right now. So it's good to see those incomes going up and those jobs being created. So jobs are super important, and uh, they obviously lead to more housing
2: demand at some point. But the millennials have been pretty slow about the housing demand issue. Um, Maybe they're rethinking what housing looks like in the future.
3: They are. There's a affordable housing issues uh, lack of inventory for that, yeah. that matter there's some debt they're carrying the largest amount of debt of any generation into that kind of buying stage of their life they're also living at home longer um i mean you add those things up it's, it's going to be a little bit more difficult than the prior generations uh, it's kind of difficult when you let's say you come out of college and you're looking for a job and you're going okay that's that's a six hundred thousand dollar condo that's a nine hundred thousand dollar single family house where do i start it's it's overwhelming. Um, I think that's a lot of why, a lot of reasons why we see a lot of millennials in the Bay Area. Uh, um, the majority of them are looking for houses in other cities around the West, as opposed to looking directly in the Bay Area. It's the Bay Area leads the nation in Google searches and home searches outside of their own metropolitan statistical area. Uh, and there's a reason why and prices. Gotcha. So, <clears throat> Jay Leno just bought a house for
2: thirteen and a half million dollars. Thirteen and a half million dollar mansion in Newport, Rhode Island. First and foremost, I'm like Newport, Rhode Island. Okay, boating community. I kind of get, you know, ocean. I kind of get. He's a king of an L, He's a king of L.A. So let's get a, a mansion on the East Coast. Let's let's own both coasts. Nine acre property features a pool, tennis court, gardens, terraces, and a six car garage. Um, it's French inspired interior design. I mean, it looks like a place a Kings would stay. Now I go right there and I go, who would live there? What's wrong with me? Why don't I want to live in a thirteen and a a million dollar mansion on Rhode Island?
3: It is stunning. A lot of taxes. I don't know the tax rate in Rhode Island, but if that was here. That's, you know, I think you're paying about $15,000 a month in property taxes. S- yeah, yeah, six car garage, and
2: that's where you start getting what he's doing. Um, I just don't get it. So, I like a nice, functional three bedroom, four bedroom, two bath house. Like, I don't need much more. So, and, and I guess what what I'm getting at is, what does the mindset that needs that versus the millennials who are happy with a 400 square foot prison cell to live in, um, and they're they're happy for it. Yeah, I think the t- the bridge between the two is pretty big, and I don't know how people get there.
3: I, I don't. I don't either. I think that's just. Uh, it's. I think the most ninety nine point nine percent of people listening probably it's not going to be even in their their mindset. Um, you know, we we talk real numbers. We talk uh, real programs, real products, and what's, what's funny, um, Rob, is that there are a lot of lenders out there that will do that loan. Uh, And they're coming and coming and coming, especially here in California. California is what's pushing all of these products. Uh, It was funny. He's probably only put 30%, 40% down. He got a loan um, because they're out there and the rates are good. Quick Jay Leno joke to take us to break.
2: (laughs) Study claims that by next year, obesity will be the number one killer. No, study next year. Obesity number one killer. Oh, oh. Can you believe that? We're turning into a nation of Clinton girlfriends. (laughs) I don't miss Jay Leno. And uh, Jason... Yeah, okay, well, that's pretty good. AM
1: 1220, KDOW. It's the Friday Ice Report. Friday Ice Report.
3: Old-time hockey. Like it is short. Yeah,
1: yeah. Your San Jose Barracuda Hockey Updates.
2: Let's talk hockey. It's Friday. Nothing better than that. San Jose Barracuda can be heard here on the station, AM uh, AM 1220, uh, KDOW, but uh, home of the San Jose Barracuda and the voice of the San Jose Barracuda, Nick Nolenberger. Nick, how are you? Good. What's going on, Rob? Um, We're pushing to December. This is the time of year that my job gets kind of easy because Everyone gets kind of bo- uh, predictable. Everything gets kind of. Stock market goes up. People are kind of yeah. apathetic, so to speak. But I would imagine this is a good time This is a good time for hockey, though, because it is. I, I, I it kind of feel like hockey has like three seasons. There's the first couple of months boring, the last couple of months exciting to see who gets into the playoffs, and then the the playoffs just blows my mind with excitement. It's just intense, fantastic. And I, maybe I shouldn't say the first couple of months are boring. I should, maybe I should say it's player development. Is that fair?
4: Yeah, I think it's fair, especially in the in the American hockey league because you have so many young players that are still kind of figuring out their game and adjusting to the professional game. We have uh, when we began the season, we had 10 rookies. So, you know, guys that have never played professional hockey, um, coming into a situation where they're going against pros who have been, for in some situations, you've got veterans that have played over 10 years in the American League. So, um, yeah, you've got to figure out, uh, what type of team you have and, and what type of players you have. And, um, yeah, it, it looks at times, uh, like, uh, you know a first day of school or a situation where everybody's just trying to get used to each other and comfortable with one another but uh yeah once you get to that the second you know that second half it's kind of the home stretch and that's when you really find out whether a team's uh, got a chance to to make a legitimate run in the playoffs
2: as a family man i love minor league sports um, i think baseball does a great job with the San age gantes and I think, uh, the AHL San Jose Barracuda, it's just a family experience. It's fun. It's beautiful. It's a great game. It's, it's as good as the professional game, um, as exciting, um, but half the price, which is fantastic as a family man in the Bay Area where I'm very conscious of costs. You got a big game tonight against the Tucson Roadrunners. But before we get to that, you did dog night the other night at SAP Center where, the, as a family person, you could bring Maisie, the miracle, amazing, (laughs) amazing wonder dog. And Maisie gets her own seat. How fun was that?
4: Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was awesome. It was, it was a bigger success. I think than anybody could even imagined. And, uh, Something we're as a, as an organization definitely looking into doing uh, again. Even there was talks even about maybe trying to do it again this year. Um, we'll see if that happens. You don't want to kind of overplay it, but it was uh, it was tremendous. It was it was funny. I was just laughing to myself when I was calling the game. You hear dogs barking on the uh, the sound effects mic that's right next to the ice. And, uh, you look on the big screen, you see a dog just sitting casually in a seat right next to their owner. It was just almost a bizarre scene, but. Um, you know, so successful and really fun. It was just an, an awesome uh, environment, and, uh, you know, people were talking about it for, for weeks after. People were still talking about it, how successful it was, so. Um, so it's fun mean, when you're when you're minor league team. You can kind of go you know outside the box a little bit more. We've got a lot more flexibility than what the sharks are able to do, and um, this allows us to have that that kind of fun quirkiness that goes along with minor league sports. And um, yeah, it was just, it was a great time, and it helps when the team wins. It was a really good comeback win, and um, everybody kind of left hand. the next day. The coaches and the players were kind of buzzing about um, how fun it was in the environment and uh, just the whole kind of. That was uh, that was going
2: on. You said it well, so I won't say it in my own words. Quirky. I like the fact that the AHL can take chances and have fun at games and uh, get get fans involved on a different level. Because if you take your dog to a hockey game, you're going to a hockey game, and you're going to fall in love with hockey, in my opinion.
4: Yes, I mean I always say to people, and, and you probably know this, uh, you know firsthand, is when you go to a hockey game live. There's just nothing like it. You can watch a game on TV and for some people they're, they're having trouble following the puck. They don't know what's going on. The game is so fast. You know, what's happening? What's icing? What is offsides. So you go to the game live and you see how fast these guys are and how quickly they have to make decisions and, you know, how fast the puck is moving and, and just the stop and go. It's, it's, you know, it's so fun to watch. It really is the most exciting, uh, you know, game to watch live for sure. Um so when you have an environment where you're able to bring your dog and all of a sudden you get to see a hockey game, it's just uh it's a unique uh you know, I guess marriage and, and uh it makes for a pretty good time. You know, we're we're pretty lucky that uh we're here in the Bay Area and, you know, we're able to provide families with an opportunity to see professional hockey at, you know, a really affordable um uh, price point, much different than what the Sharks are able to do just, you know, how it works, uh, you know, when you have an NHL team, an American League team, but uh, yeah, it's it's provided a pretty cool dynamic, and it's been pretty successful.
2: We're running out of time, so let me get to hockey real quick. Uh, the Barracuda are doing great this year. They're uh, back in the playoff hunt after starting a little slow. They're a 500-team. Uh, good young team. Roy Sommer earned his 700, 700th AHL win. That's that's quite an accomplishment. No one's even close to him in any sport.
4: Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty tremendous. I was talking to uh, Dan Rusnowski, the Sharks radio uh, broadcaster, last night. And if you combine the five years he had in the ECHL, which is considered double-ed professional hockey, you combine the games he's coached and the wins, you know, he's near the top in, in, the, in the history of the game. Um, he is in top by uh, the top three in terms of games coached all time. If you combine guys who have coached in the NHL the in the American Hockey League, which is just, it's a tremendous, and the guy is really, um, you know, you almost take it for granted, but he's a legend in the game. And what's so unique about Roy is the fact that he was born in Oakland, California. He was just the second player to ever play in the National Hockey League from California. Played three games, and they all came with uh, the, the powerhouse Edmonton Oilers with Wayne Gretzky and company. And played three games in the NHL, but it's been his coaching career in the minors that have been uh, the real story. And um, pretty fun to be a part of it. Yeah, seven hundred wins. Um next game today, tonight will be uh game number fifteen hundred coached in his American hockey league career. So what a what a career for him and it's it's been pretty fun to be a part of it and witness just a small portion.
2: So what's the big surprise so far this season? Well, it's been
4: it's a really young team. There's eight guys currently up with the San Jose Sharks that were with the Barracuda last year in the playoffs. So it gives you an idea right. of you know, how many different guys are are on the team this year. So it's a young team. They're they're kind of trying to find their identity. And um, as you mentioned, the second half of this season is going to be the real test and the real, uh, you know, benchmark on whether this team is going to have a chance to really make the playoffs. Because they're in the hunt right now, but they're not quite in the
2: playoff spot. Okay. I saw that they're in six. I thought they were in the top eight would do it, but – uh, it's complicated formula in the NHL. It's not quite pure standings, or not quite pure as uh, the NHL. Um, so game tonight against Tucson Roadrunner, 7 o'clock, SAP Center. Plenty of tickets available. Every seat in that place is great, and um, it's just it's good family entertainment. Then your next home game is against Bakersfield Condors next Saturday, and there's also your next Sunday Tilt. The Sunday Tilt's my favorite one because it's 3 in the afternoon, so I can get home and get to bed in time to get up for early radio. we got about 30 seconds left. Anything that you want to plug?
4: Yeah, the Tucson. I mean, if you if you got time tonight, come out. It's ten dollars tickets. Tickets start as low as ten bucks. Right. Tucson's the best team in the Pacific Division right now. Really talented uh, young players for the Arizona Coyotes affiliate. And uh, yeah, it's always a good time. We recommend it.
2: Well, that's not good news for the Sharks. <laughs> hearing that the AHL affiliate of Tucson's doing well, because that means future players. Anyway, Nick, uh, it's great hearing from you. Good luck calling the game tonight. Thanks for explaining the game, bringing it to the masses. Really appreciate it. You can find more out uh, about the Barracuda at sjbarracuda.com. It's sjbarracuda.com. I've been to a handful of games so far, and it's a fun family time. Good, clean entertainment. You don't have to worry about uh having a bad time, because it's going to be a good time. Find out more at sjbarracuda.com. When it got cold.
1: Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Lumineers, they're playing in concert tonight. Where? Oakland, California. I would love to convince someone to go with me. Tomorrow night in Oakland? The Killers. Last year, uh, and maybe my producer could find this one we go back to break, uh, the Lumineers released Blue Christmas. Uh, Pretty good cover. The Lumineers, I think it's kind of like basically three hipsters. I don't know enough about the band. But if I were to die, I'd like to come back as a hipster at the right time. The woman in the band has straight bangs, just pure-cut straight. I'm like, and she can play a string instrument, which I find string instruments to be standing bass to be just like pretty damn fantastic.
1: Wow! Wow!
2: I can noodle with a piano. I can figure out, you know, brass instruments. I can I can figure out drums, but I never ever understood. I, I wasn't even close to understanding string instruments. Tony Mendez, BayAerialAndSource.com. dot com. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. So, talk a little uh, hipsters. <laughs> you see a lot of hipsters because you you're living in that Oakland, California part of the world uh, where the hipsters kind of came to and, and took it as their own.
3: Yeah, I love downtown Oakland. Um, Fox Theater area, a lot of hipsters, but it's it's hip to be a hipster right now. No doubt, no doubt. So let's talk um,
2: about housing at this point in time. What did mortgage rates do in 2017?
3: Well, uh, when Trump was elected, they spiked. Okay. So the first part of the 2017, we saw slightly higher rates, over 4%, and they've leveled off slowly through the year, and they've kind of just bounced around. So they're lower than what they started at. Um, you know, we had the job numbers. They came out and it's kind of reinforcing what the Fed's going to do this next week and possibly see a rate hike. So we actually saw refinance and purchase applications spike leading up to this possible rate hike, uh, which can kind of trickle down into the mortgage rate. So there's a little bit of fear that rates might go up, at, you know, this time of the year. They usually go down. Unless there's the, the big talks about raising interest rates from the Fed.
2: So one of the things I like talking about hipsters, they're, in my mind, the millennials more often than not. I'm not cool with a hipster beard. I think it kind of looks kind of silly. Um, and there's a guy who does sharks hockey on television who has that hipster beard. I'm like, it's not working for me, dude. That's terrible. It's not working for me. But I find hipsters are completely 100% tied to real estate prices of where they're going. Remember Wayne Gretzky said, you know, uh, he was the greatest at going to where the puck was going to go. Yeah. Like, he was magically there. Like, they dumped the puck and, like, oh, Wayne Gretzky has it. Um, and that's a tough thing to do. Have you ever, you've ever? played hockey, right? Where you skate and you skate and you skate and you skate and you try to get to a puck and someone knocks to the other side of the record. Like, oh! And you skate and you skate. Like, and it's a lot of work. So you can cheat in real estate and look where the hipsters are going for jobs and look where the hipsters are going because when they have jobs, they need a place to live, whether it's rental yeah. and or home. Number one place right now, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Would I ever buy a home in Grand Rapids, Michigan? I can't imagine that I would. What Would you nuts? It'd take about 26% of my income to buy a home. The uh, percentage population under 35, 22%. That's a pretty big number. Number two place where uh, millennials are going for a job. I've loved this one for years and years and years and years and years. I've been saying about it 15 years. Nashville, Tennessee. Yep. Uh um, I've been, been on a list for many, many years, Raleigh, North Carolina, same thing, same, same thing. On list for many years. This one hasn't been only because I have a bias, I think on some Texas city and El Paso, you know, El Paso beans. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, if you ever meet your breeders at home, you'd know El Paso beans. And I'm like, it just doesn't work for me. And El Paso could be a lovely city and it looks lovely. Um,
3: but San Antonio, I like been, been, on, like, the list for been on the list for many yeah. years for many years. Fort Worth, Texas. A lot of these are getting a lot more recognition as opposed to just recently because of the affordability issues in the larger cities and pushing people into what they call these second-tier cities. Now, I'm not sure if they're quite second-tier anymore, but we're seeing a lot more people looking in these cities. In fact, the number one there's two number-one destinations for San Francisco Bay Area uh, for outside searches for housing. One of them is Seattle, and the other one is San Antonio. Okay. I would imagine Portland's pretty high up there, too. It is, but it was, so, yeah. It's kind of funny because... um, And San Antonio reported that their number one search from anywhere in the United States is the Bay Area. So it's reciprocal. Interesting. Um, It's uh, about Portland and moving up there. I've been asked,
2: like, hey, would you ever live in Portland? And I always come back with no. Um, for years and years and years, it was the guy who had the... The the nose piercing, the ear piercing that got like super big. Like, I'm okay with a guy who pierces his ears, but don't put something in that's the size of like a tire. I don't want a tire hanging from someone's ear. And that's what Portland meant to me. So I keep going back and I keep going back and I keep going back. And uh, the last time I was there, I was like, I could live here. Um, because so many San Franciscans have said, we're cashing out, we're moving to Portland. It's now Port- it's now San Francisco south north. Yeah, so it's I mean, kind of like I live in
3: San Carlos, which is what I refer to as Palo Alto. Noir. I like the culture in P- Portland. I okay. think a lot of people do. My, I have my my parents are from Portland, and uh, I've spent many many years there, and, and I have family other family members that we visit, and they love it there. Um, yeah, it rains a little bit more, and it snows in the mountains, and but there's still a lot of things to do. What what I think a lot of people in the Bay Area are experiencing, and other people around the West, is that you can uh, the starting tech payroll here for a techie is about $115,000. In Portland slash Seattle, it drops about 10%, but home prices are 50% lower. Now, those those numbers are from last year, and, and it's since gone up and shrunk the, the difference, but it's still an attractive place to, to move. You make less, but your home prices are lower. And there's some state and taxes and sales tax benefits that you can get from one state or the other. I think Portland offers that kind of flexibility. Um, there's some parts of Western... I'm sorry, Eastern Portland that are are expanding very very fast and becoming that upscale hipster, if you want to call it, uh, part of town. So I I like the attraction of Portland, but but the the deals are running out. To speak some real estate ease, if you want, the deals are starting to run out because it is being inundated by a lot of. People cashing out and saying, I'm going to buy this property when you can't. And um there there was a point in time, do you remember, Rob, when they were, people were putting signs up in their yard saying, please no San Francisco no, no oh, yeah, Californians? Yeah. Right. yeah. So. You're raising our rents, you're you're raising our home prices, we don't like it. Well it's 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 nuts. And I hate
2: to use that word because there's a guy on the radio station who goes, It's nuts! And I feel like I'm now old and I can now you I can now say things are nuts. What are you nuts? Um Exactly.
3: I need a catchphrase. I'm, I'm starting to think that I do. Um, your catchphrase. <laughs> you, well, we you get, I get catchphrase. loans done. I get loans done. Yeah, so. I should never have coined that at all. Well, here, here's I get loans we, done. Our population's growing. We have uh, large. We have the largest amount of immigration that we're going to see in several years in the United States. Even though, uh, or I'm sorry, house immigration household formation is what I wanted to say. And we got people have to move somewhere. And I think we're. we're the this the last era is
2: over. Well, Amazon expressed it really well. Amazon basically owns Seattle on a lot of levels, and they said we need a second headquarters because we've outgrown Seattle. Uh, they're, they're, we can't fit any more people hey, in Seattle.
3: Hey, there's a list of ten cities in the United States that they're going to move to. If you if you're a gambling, man, buy property in each one. Right. It's the
2: same thing with Reno when Tesla said we're going to build a factory, and, and the, you know Elon Musk said um, there's. Any city that wants us to build a factory, offer us some great concessions. And the real estate prices went up when the winner was. Ding, 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 Reno. So here's where it's nuts. And this is, you know, we're talking about leaving the big city for the smaller city. Here's where the smaller city comes, the big city. I don't know if I I sent you this article. I talked about it earlier in the week about the Houston IP firm um, that actually bought a plane, a $3 million jet to fly employees to San Francisco. I, I saw the article, yeah. So San Francisco's median rent is forty four hundred and fifty bucks. Um, do you remember the first time you you rented a, 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 a apartment? It was like probably a thousand dollars for a I three think bedroom seven
3: fifty. Yeah, you got two roommates. No. And I remember the sport. first time I saw something that said a thousand nine nine ninety nine, you know, for a two bedroom, and I couldn't believe it. Forty four hundred and fifty dollars.
2: Where it's, it's become so ludicrous, it's become so nuts that a law firm will fly nine nine lawyers to San Francisco on a regular basis. And say, meet with clients. Um, and then that law firm's able to market to companies like Western Digital, companies like Intel and Microsoft. Hey, we charge less for our lawyers. Use us versus the San Francisco lawyers because we actually fly ours in from Houston. They do all the work on the plane, billable hours. Um, that's where we are at this point in time. We're now, I, I know someone who lives in, um, Las Vegas, and he flies to San Francisco three times a week, and flies home three times a week. Leaves at seven, gets
3: there at nine. Leaves at five, gets home at seven. Yeah, we had a client that moved to Bend, Oregon, and was flying into San Francisco once a week, leaving his, you know, four kids and his wife at home, and he'd come here and for a whole week, and then go home for the weekends. I'm with you. It's Tony Mendez you can find him at Bay
2: he gets loans done that's his catchphrase bay Source.com. Looking for my to give another to say good job, mowing the grass, you know, to get validation from 20,000 people singing your songs back at you. Man, your head must get like explosive big. Like, you probably need therapy at that point in time for the opposite reason most people need therapy of not getting validation. Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan com talking investing, talking real estate. We just talked about San Francisco's rent at $4,400 a month. You handed me a piece of paper that talked about homeowner equity averaging double digits.
3: What's that story all about? Just the growth in equity. Uh, A lot of people are wondering why refinances are kind of coming back. Okay. And why people are still very interested in getting in houses is because we're seeing you know, six percent year over year projected by Case Schiller and National Association of Realtors and National Association of Home Builders are all saying the same thing. We're gonna see twenty eighteen look like another um, you know, decent return on investment and this and, and you're looking at billions and billions of dollars of equity running into these houses and um Yeah, so you see so you can easily you know make some pretty good calculations on why, you know, where people's down payments are coming from. You know, there there's another piece of paper in front of you that says one third of homes purchased in two thousand seventeen were all in cash. Excuse me, you know, somebody's selling a house in California, buying something in San Antonio, for example, in cash. Um I mean, there's somebody that works at the station that I know that actually has a house in Hayward that they're they're considering selling and taking that profit and, and moving it to Phoenix, for example, and buying a house in cash. There's a lot of money right now in real estate that um, has been created over the last five, six years since the you know the, the deep, deep trough of the crash and crisis. Right. And, uh, home and equity people lines are trying to figure out where that money is going to go. Home equity lines are are making comeback as well, yeah. which it kind of irks me that I mean you, we went to a bank the other day and just to price it out, and they're at six and a quarter percent, six and a half percent, depending on how much you borrow, and you can borrow from your a 30 year fixed at four to four and a quarter percent same why would you go to an equity line and 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 be adjustable so i don't know why people get pushed into these equity lines when they shouldn't in a lot of cases you kind of have to run the numbers and how fast you can pay it back and things like that but uh um when you have all that equity rob when you have billions of equity being created every year that's that's where these banks start pushing all these products but the problem is and i agree with the
2: statement and let's see if you agree with the statement America is in the throes of an affordable housing crisis. Absolutely. Okay. As a solution, situation. more cities are moving new construction from urban centers to spacious single-family neighborhoods. California, obviously the king of the housing crisis, recently paused more than a dozen laws to push new construction in suburban areas. Um, the solution has long been to build upwards, erecting cheap condos and apartments in urban centers, but construction can no longer keep up with the demand in many metro areas. Um, so a lot of planners now are looking to single-family neighborhoods, valuable for their sprawl, valuable for their low-density. I used to live in a city that was low-density, and now it's high-density, and it's driving me crazy to the point that I want to move. Bumping elbows. Uh, knocking boots. It's oh. well, uh, a little bit different. different. <laughs> a little bit different. Slide <laughs> throw it back at you. How did I know they would go that direction? Uh, uh. <clears throat> um, so in metro areas like the Bay Area and Los Angeles, I mean, obviously, two areas of the California where it's problematic, single-family neighborhoods make up 90% of the housing stock. So single-family neighborhoods are where the opportunity is, but building there is taboo. Like in my town, um, back in the 60s, they made a horrible decision to take out the second high school and put in housing. And they put in big box housing, so 2,500, 3,000-square-foot houses. And now they're looking at those like, why did we do that? We need a high yeah. school.
3: We I mean, need- as a builder, why would you why would you take a piece, of a couple acres, and put three or four or five houses on it or you can put 50 to 60 condos and maximize and you can go up, you can make more money, it's you know building it all at once instead of building separate units uh, and that's what an urban area like the Bay Area is experiencing right now and unfortunately what we did see in 2000, leading up to 2007, we did see the sprawl already so I'm a little worried that when you said sprawl, it kind of was like it's starting to click. The wheels are starting to turn. Is this a repeat of what we saw back in two thousand five, six, and seven? Um, a lot of people that are looking at houses now don't even remember what it was like in two thousand five, six, and seven because they they weren't thinking about housing now. They are and they're like, oh, okay, there's some three, four hundred thousand dollars house, you know, thirty miles that way. But what what are, what are all these houses that I'm passing on the way to that? I mean, what happened to those in two thousand seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven? It's kind of crazy to think that we may repeat what we experienced oh we but will. The, but it's it's out there so the salesforce tower
2: is something that it actually bums me out like i actually get sad seeing it i used to love the transamerica pyramid um transamerica tower um that was like an iconic san francisco image to me and now all i see is that that damn salesforce.com building um it's a big skyscraper. Like it's too big, in my opinion.
3: I used to be—I I, I used to not be able to see any buildings at all in San Francisco. Now, from where I live, I can see that the tip of it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's yeah, funny. It's, cause it's, it dominates the skyline. Mark
2: Dannon used to live in Napa. His his house almost burned down, so he quit his job and moved. Um, which is fascinating to me. He was able to see the Transamerica. Uh, he was able to nice. see the Salesforce Tower from his his home. It's, uh, Pretty tall building, second tallest building west of the Mississippi, after the Wilshire Grand Center in Los Angeles. He it's old me. today. Like progress is like infringing but it's, on no, your. It's not so much that. It's just it's discouraging. It's like when you drive, and I, I
3: put I, people somewhere. I feel put like I, I feel
2: like I've seen four hotels go up in 30 days. That's what it feels like on my
3: drive. Crane here, crane there, crane everywhere. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLandSource.com, BayAreaLandSource.com.